Now on the Audio Visual Podcast, meteorologist Amber Wheeler. I followed my heart, as cheesy as that sounds, and it's not steered me wrong. Um, and so I, my heart was in journalism, and it still is. And I've been able to use that in my weather career. You know, and so I feel like if you just sort of follow your gut and your heart, I don't think they'll lead you astray. Three, two, one. Welcome to the Audio Visual Podcast, a podcast where you can get in-depth interviews with broadcasters, marketers, streamers, gamers, small and large business owners, and more. The podcast that shows everyone has a creative side, no matter what career field or hobby you do. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Audio Visual Podcast. And something new now, we're going to try video a little bit here and see how it goes. And it's awesome that uh, I get to speak to the one and only Amber Wheeler, a meteorologist here in North Dakota for uh, several years. And we're going to talk about her career here throughout, I guess, starting in North Dakota and going on to the future of her career, too. First off, Amber, I have to say thank you very much for taking time to come on this podcast. Uh, Once again, it's kind of a new hobby for me and it's much appreciated that uh, I get to interview you I guess so thank you well I'm just happy to be here thank you for asking me yeah no so I was looking back at um, trying to figure out who I could interview based on uh, my broadcast history and you know who's been in broadcasting or still in broadcasting just because uh, broadcasting overall has changed quite a bit I would have to say I mean look at this now with the video and podcasting and everything and Here was one of the names that came up because I know I've worked with you in the past when I worked at KHD Radio in Harvey for a little bit with Rick Jensen and all that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's much appreciated that I get to do this. And I hope you're excited as I am to get this rolling for this interview. I am. I'm excited to talk to you. I, yeah, I was really, I was like, are you sure you got my, the email right here? Or like, you want, you want me? Like, <laughs> well, and yeah, I, no, I, when I reached out to you on Facebook and then I tried to send you an email. And of course, when you create a new email address, it like never works half the time when of you course. for related to that, but I'm glad you got it. Um, the questions I'll have are going to be very simple, but before we dive into the actual interview, there's one thing that I have been doing kind of, kind of unique for the podcast is rapid fire questions, which I think I sent to you beforehand. Is that correct? You did. Yeah. So this is just very simple on what we're going to do. Just uh, uh, 10 simple questions just to get, you know, a little bit better based on, you know, your likes or your favorites or anything like that. So are you ready to answer some quick rapid fire questions? I am. Let's go. Uh, All right. (laughs) So first thing, Amber, pretty easy. What's your favorite color? Blue. Blue. What's your favorite food? Um, I really thought long and hard about this one, and I would say sushi. Sushi? I don't like sushi. Sushi. I can't even say it right, so that's maybe that's good that I don't like it. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite movie or TV show? Well, it changes a lot, but right now it's The Last of Us on HBO. That is a good one. I think uh, they they are doing very well. Have you played the video game? I have not, and I didn't even know it was a video game until last week. Really? <laughs> really? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it I've heard nothing but good things about that, of the adaption from the video game to the actual, I guess you would say, the TV show for that. Yeah. So that's a good one. Um, what is your go-to karaoke song, or what's your favorite song? 
Um, okay, so my, my go-to karaoke song, I sing it all the time at karaoke bars with Alicia Huck, and no one should ever hear this ever again, but it's um, Zombie by the Cranberries. Um, really? Yeah, most people don't like to hear us sing. Well, her, she's great. Um, but then my favorite song is uh, Led Zeppelin, When the Levees Break. Really? Okay, so you got two unique ones, no doubt about that, and yeah. I, I love hearing that. So, I'll, by the way, Alicia, it's just for all of our listeners and all that, Alicia Huck is your one of your great friends that you worked with for several years, right? Yep, she's the anchor on Good Day Dakota. We've known each other for many years, and she's turned into what I call my sister friend. Oh, that's awesome to hear. So there's you. there you go. So when you see Amber and Alicia out singing some good old songs, it's the Cranberries, it looks yeah. like. <laughs> um, what's your favorite game? This could be a board game or a video game or anything of the sort. I love playing cards. I love the game Shanghai. What is Shanghai? Could you explain that? It is hard to explain. It's a card game. And you just have to have three of a kind, four of a kind. It was hard for me to, it's hard to explain it, but anybody who's listening to this, who knows what Shanghai is, knows how addicting it is. Okay. Um, If I ever get to see you, I will show you how to play Shanghai and I'll bring you a sushi that I think you'll like. (laughs) Okay. Sounds good. And I I could probably Google Shanghai too with the card game, right? You can, yes. I'll, I'll put you up to that. I'm curious now, both on the the sushi and also the card game. Yeah. <laughs> so this this next question has been stumping a lot of my guests. What is a good spy code name for you? Okay, I actually did a quiz online to get this because I was trying to be creative and in my mind I was just coming up with nothing. Apparently, and you answer all these questions about yourself, Domino Sparks. Whatever that means. Domino Sparks. What website did you use now? I don't, I just I'm curious. Googled. I just Googled. <laughs> And it's like, you, what's, your, what's your favorite food? What do you like to do? What yeah, Domino Sparks is apparently my my code spy name. That actually sounds very legit now that you said that. So, <laughs> so when you go down to New Orleans, it's not Amber Wheeler. It's Domino, Domino, Domino Sparks. Sparks yeah. There you go. <laughs> what's your go-to lazy dinner? Um, ground beef. I'm Aaron and I, um, my husband eats very healthy during the week. Mm-hmm. Ground beef, rice, veggies, and some kind of sauce mixed together. Really? I mean, it's That's... just so simple. Um, wow. We used to count our macros. So um, so I go to, I must have my go-to. I just make a bunch of ground beef on Monday, like two or three pounds. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes we'll eat off on it during the week. That's my lazy dinner. Oh, that sounds, that's pretty easy now that you mentioned. I've never thought of making like two or three pounds of ground beef and then use it for meals throughout the week. That's a good just idea. Prep your protein and then you can add whatever you need during the week. That's what we do. Wow. Awesome. Uh, what would your 12-year-old self think? Do they, uh, I guess, would your 12-year-old self think you were cool now? <laughs> my, t- my 12-year-old self would be scared because if, really? if you told her you're going to be on TV someday, she would think you're lying and that you're playing a joke on her and would have been scared. I never wanted to be on TV. So... I don't know if she would think I was cool. She'd probably be scared <laughs> that I evolved into this. She's like, what am I doing in life? <laughs> it, it, I bet when you look back, it's just crazy. Like, I, I'm never going to do TV and all. Look at this. You're like doing TV, doing weather and all that. That has to be just kind of looking back, kind of mind blowing. I it guess is. you would say. It is mind blowing. Yeah. To, to just come where I have here on the air. And we're, we're going to dive more into that here shortly. Got two more rapid fire questions. Yeah. Would you rather sleep in late or take a long nap at midday? 
sleep in late. Sleep in late. Now, you you, you were a morning person before, I guess, and now yes. you're back to evening. So is that still, would, that, would it change based on that? Um, <laughs> you know, even when I was working mornings, I still just never wanted to sleep during the day. I love being up. I love being up early. And I, uh, you know, but I do now that I'm working nights, I love sleeping in. <laughs> it's a, it's something that I didn't get a chance to do for many years during the week. So if I wake up and I'm like, you know what, I'm tired and I just think I need a little more sleep. I feel like that's a luxury that not everybody gets. Um, yeah. and so I, I love that. That's great to hear. Yeah, that, I, I myself, I would love to take a long nap during the day. I think it's because of the kids aspect where yeah, the kids need their nap. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, and then my last question, who is your hero? Um, I have two. Okay. Um, my mom and Maya Angelou. Uh, okay, so your mom and who was the other one? I'm sorry. Maya Angelou. Who is that? Can I ask? Uh, it's a poet. She's a. Po- uh, you should, should look her up. So she's a poet, um, okay. and she's written. Um, she's written many books. Uh, in fact, once you look her up, you'll go. Oh, I know exactly who she is. She was a mentor to Oprah, and she okay. lived down the street from me. Not down the street, technically, but down the road from me when I lived in North Carolina. So. I saw her in and out of the TV station that I was working at at the time. Um, And she's very inspirational and very strong and um, has an incredible history and has lots of words of wisdom that she's passed on to to the world. Wow. I love hearing that. So I'm definitely going to Google that. Now I have a few things to Google. Sushi (laughs) and and Shanghai. Shanghai, (laughs) Maya Angelou. Yeah. Wow. So first off, I want to say thank you for doing the rapid fire questions. I always think that's always fun to just uh, something unique. I would have to say they really get to know you better. And uh, thank you for doing that. I, I'm yeah. glad you got the spy code name down. I'm telling you, you should go down the New Orleans and that that should be your <laughs> that's perfect my lower name. Third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to just kind of, you know, talk a little bit about how you started going from where you were probably from, you know, high school to college all the way through how you are here in North Dakota in meteorology and then, you know, continuing your career over down the New Orleans. I guess my first question to start things off, what inspired you to pursue a career in meteorology? Well, I, my story is not like a typical meteorologist story. A lot of meteorologists like to tell you um, their beautiful story of I was a child and maybe a weather event changed things for them or they met uh, a meteorologist who came to their classroom and it changed things or they knew because they watched on TV and they were it just sparked an interest and ever since then they're like that's what I'm going to do that was not me I actually wanted to be a war correspondent and I went to school for that oh, um, wow. and so um, that was my dream was to go overseas I didn't really want to be on camera I really I mean I it wasn't something that I sought out. I wanted to be more of like a producer, mm-hmm. so out in the field. And I supported causes um, where victims of, of war were um, um, were helped out. So, um, so, so I did a lot of studying um, of um, counterintelligence, um, counterinsurgency. I was very interested in that and journalism and how mm-hmm. those things kind of come together. So I went to school for news and documentary actually i also briefly went to school for um terrorism analysis as well wow Um, and so what happened was um the the raw story that i'm giving you here (laughs) (laughs) um i was married to someone to someone who was from minot okay um and we decided to move back to north dakota so he could finish school this Mm -hmm. was right after the recession 
Um, and I am getting to why I became a meteorologist, I promise. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, this, this is this is, is good details. This is a story I don't tell a lot of people because one, it's detailed and two, um, it gets it gets deep. And sometimes mm-hmm. in just like a everyday conversation, you know, or I see somebody in a bar, you know, I, I don't need to go that deep with them. They may not need to know that. Um, I just say I came for the job, which isn't a lie. Uh, mm-hmm. I just sort of gloss it over. But I came so he could finish school here so we could do, have pursue careers Afterwards, well, I came here and um, gave my tape to Jim Olson of what mm-hmm. I could do. I had worked at a TV station in North Carolina, and I covered weather, but I wasn't a meteorologist. Um, and so when he called me, I had worked here, worked at Ebenezer's, came mm-hmm. here January 2012. In March of 2012, he called me and said, well, we have a weather position opening open on the weekends. I was really confused by that because where I come from, you know, I had never seen anybody do weather that was not a meteorologist. So oh. so I was a part of weather coverage, but it was more from the technical aspect behind the scenes, if that makes sense. I wasn't yep. a meteorologist. Yep. I was the director um, at a TV station. So basically, I said, I'll give it a shot. I was a weather anchor. I worked the first summer with Tom, and I realized just how important it is what we were doing. And I fell in love with the science. And I realized, wow, this is really powerful stuff. And I watched Tom cover a lot of severe weather with a lot of passion because he cared so much about how people felt during severe weather. And this was the year after the flood, too. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of folks who were very emotional about um, about a lot of things, understandably so. And so I decided to go back to school because um, I just felt a calling that summer that I did this with Tom. And so I thought, you know, uh, another friend of mine who I worked with at a TV station in North Carolina was like, you should try it. And, you know, what's the worst that could happen? You mm-hmm. get a little more student loan debt, you know? And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's add to that. But I did. And I, and I every semester fell in love with it. And then just um, when you see that people really rely on you, you realize the responsibility there. And that really drove my studies even more. So that's kind of how I got into this was that I moved here, got back into TV because I was mm-hmm. in TV in North Carolina. And then um, they were like, we only have a weather position open. We like you, but, <laughs> but that's what we have for you. And so, and it was just a crazy circumstance that, that this is where it took me. Wow. First off, the starting your story was like war correspondent. That <laughs> itself is a, that's a never in my mind, never thought like a job like that you go to school for or anything, but that's like you're in danger almost every every day if you did that. Well, and technically, so when you to be a war correspondent, technically they you usually go to school for journalism. Okay. Um, and I I studied terrorism analysis through Maryland State. Briefly mm-hmm. went to I'm not finished with a graduate certificate through them. Okay. Um, briefly um, and didn't finish because long story that was out of pocket. I my student loan debt was just mountains high. I'm like I yeah. gotta give something up here. <laughs> Um, and that was more for like um, interest in in sort of current you know current state of things and, and learning more about terrorist organizations around the world because I was fascinated with with what was happening. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I just threw at you there. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's fine with me. But now the meteorology aspect. Yeah, you're in Minot, North Dakota, mm-hmm. and you're going to go pursue a meteorology degree. Was that all online then? Yes, I went through Mississippi okay. State. Okay, and was it so? It was a four-year degree too that you did everything online, virtual classes, all that. So all in, 
all online. That's just mind blowing with meteorology on that because it was okay. It was okay. tough, and um, it so I well, it was a it was a second. So I went to school originally. I had a, my first degree, and I could add on to that. So I didn't have yep. to go to school for four years. Okay, I went for part time for three years. So I was able to go part time for three years and still work full time at KX. Um, That's pretty good. Pretty so flexible. It was, yeah, and it was great. Um, and it was learning that online is really tough. So, and they understand that. So I have a lot of friends who are my uh, study buddies, and there are a lot mm -hmm. of meteorologists around the country that I can point to now and go, "Oh, she was my study buddy." You know, the chief in Denver, the CBS in Denver, uh -huh. uh, Lauren Whitney. She was my study buddy. You know, we both were, we both learned online, and it was so. It is tough without someone else's help. Mm -hmm. Thermodynamics is not something that, you know, I mean, we had a class, we had a teacher we could talk to, yep. um, but yeah, that one-on-one -on -one was to not have that was tough. So we really relied on each other. Well, and that, I think that just shows the character you are for sure. You like how a change in career and all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm going to do this online. And it, it shows that, you know, working with people, even though they're virtual, it has really helped you grow, I guess you would say, based on that, starting from virtual to learning everything to where you are going here soon. So uh, kudos to you, Amber. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. You. So how do you stay up to date with the latest weather developments and advancements in technology? Because, you know, growing up, it, I think it's changed so much in the last 20 years just from North Dakota weather stuff. So how do you guys all stay up here in North Dakota, just say right now? Yeah. Um, well, it's important to stay up to date on the latest trends and technology. Mm -hmm. um, you can do that through the weather community, um, just the weather community in, in general. Like we all network really well together um, through watching the news out of, um, let's say, even NASA and their latest satellite launches mm -hmm. or um you know, the National Weather Service, uh, we're partners with them. And so I have a very close relationship with the Weather Service uh, and the Storm Prediction Center. And I can call them up and talk to them about new things. They'll send us out information. Um, the American Meteorological Society is another place to really tap uh, for new information, new journals, um, mm -hmm. new papers that are written all the time uh, that I can go and, and kind of uh, read up on. I try to find something new um, every week. Mm -hmm. to go seek out, whether it's a journal or it's an online article or something that maybe um, expands my knowledge a little bit or maybe tells me something I don't know because there's so much out there changing on a regular basis. So from what it sounds like, because of the resources in the community of the meteorology group, the latest and greatest doesn't need to be right in your station, your TV station, because you can use the other resources from around the nation, I guess you would say, right? Yeah, and like as far as as far as locally in our station, you know, mm -hmm. we have a um, a weather compute. Our weather company is called um, uh, it's called we call it WSI, which is the old name of the company, but they're the weather company, I believe, is what they're called now. Okay, uh, very original, very original. Um, <laughs> and I, I think they also might come up with uh, spy names as well. So, um, <laughs> but they they provide us with. Um, our ability to make weather graphics and ability to pull in data. Okay. So those also get upgraded every so often. We get software updates and every mm -hmm. few years we actually replace our computers. So we make sure we have the latest, greatest, everything's running good. Um, 
And so uh, that's also a, a, a great place that they're on top of the latest technology. And okay. of course, they're always trying to sell you stuff. So they're like, hey, there's this new thing. Would you like to buy it? And of course, I'm going to management <laughs> going like, hey, what do you think? <laughs> and I have done that many times. I've presented them with like, we need this. <laughs> they'll say yes or they'll say no. And so, um, so locally on the local level, we have the best of the best that we can get. Love it. Love to hear that. Now, uh, a typical day of a TV meteorologist, what would you say then from preparing to a weathercast to delivering the actual forecast on air? What's your typical day look like? Um, well, now that I'm on nights, my okay. typical day is I go in about anywhere between one and two, depending okay. on the day. Yep. Um, and so um, Tom and I talk every day. So we're always on the phone with each other talking about the forecast. Mm-hmm. Um, I go in and I start working, literally just working on the forecast as soon as I get in, okay. um, looking long range, looking short range, I make the seven days and I make um, a few different short range forecasts. I try to decide what am I going to do in my show? How am I going to stack my show? What's my story of the day? There's always got to be a story of the day. Um, about 2.30, we um, usually in, in the middle of my forecasting, I then have to figure out what am I going to tease so, you know, usually I know, um, but we do teases at 2.30. Um, Tom goes on the air at 4 p.m., mm-hmm. uh, and he does the 4 o'clock and the 5 o'clock. Um, and then I go on the air at 6, okay. from 6 to 7, and then I do the 9 and the 10. Um, and so I'm basically working on graphics or working on our computers. We constantly have to do computer maintenance. Um, or I'm working on a story. I have a mm-hmm. weekly piece I do. Um, or also or just general research for my show, seven o'clock, I go to dinner and mm-hmm. then I come back about eight, eight thirty, and then get ready for the nine and then do the 10. And then we leave about 10 45 or so. So the one thing that's kind of different now since growing up was that there was only a six and 10 newscast for the longest time yep. and then a five at it. Now there's a four and a nine. Did you say too? So that that's gotta be a different just because the content. You it granted weather is probably a little bit different because mm-hmm. you know for that, but news content, everything like that, it's yeah, you have a lot of hours to fill or a lot of time to fill, you would yes. say. Yes, and that was definitely a challenge. Um, and we knew that going into the expansion. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's a real opportunity when you get that extra time to take advantage of that as a station and go, what can we do to serve our community? And so so we've really restructured how we do things. Um mm-hmm. uh and you know, when Tom is out, I do his shows. When yep. I'm out, he does my shows. So we, you have a long day of just talking <laughs> and and um, trying to figure out how am I gonna how am I gonna make my shows different too? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So, but as far as news content, I think that you know, it's a it's a everyday you know yes. <laughs> hamster wheel. You know, it's like you can <laughs> you can feel good about all the content you have today, and you filled all these hours. But tomorrow starts a new day and you got to do the same thing again. Now, all this complex weather information we've been discussing, but the average viewer, how do you relay that information? So, you know, if you discuss something, I don't know, some type of weather event like El Nino or El Nino or anything like that. How do you describe something like that to the average viewer? Because, you know, that's that affects our weather. Any of that factors, I guess you would say. Yeah. So I try to take these complex topics and find the most basic parts mm-hmm. and mainly because the average listener um they don't have time to sit through some half hour presentation on what el nino and la nina what they are yep. so i try to take the most basic points of what they are 
and break it down and go, here's what it is. La Nina, El Nino. We look at these sur- surface temperatures of water along the equator, and that changes everything for pressure system- systems around the con- around the world. Mm. Um, so I try to do stuff like that, um, and um, because it's important, mm-hmm. you know, to know what these things mean. What does it mean to be in a La Nina winter or an El mm-hmm. Nino winter? Because um, it changes how we forecast too. So, um, so yeah, I try to take the most complicated and break it down. Just because, like I said, the average viewer, sometimes they don't care to sit through the scientific, <laughs> but they want to know. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, for viewer feedback, too, you've, you know, there's always like, oh, meteorology, I get paid to guess the weather or something like that. I, you've probably heard something similar oh, yeah, to that. I've heard them all. <laughs> I, how do you handle the criticism or feedback like that? It's not all bad, that's for sure, but yeah. there's, there's always a few people out there, no doubt. How do you handle that? Or you and you and Tom even handle that? Well, you know, the whole like, you know, oh, it must be nice to be wrong all the time and get a paycheck. You know, those are not going to go away. No. And that's just what you tell yourself. It's never going to go away. It's a stereotype. It's a trope. It's, you know, and you just, you just have to smile and move on, you know? (laughs) And because if I were to be bothered by it every time I heard it, it would ruin my day constantly you know because it said a lot and sometimes it said being funny and mm-hmm. not meant to be mean but, mm-hmm. but it's it's degrading to what you do <laughs> um but i i just let it i i let i let it roll off my back not to say that there aren't things people can say that can hurt me yep. but those things i i just know they're not going anywhere good to hear good to hear on that that you know it's just and social media has changed the aspect so much too i would have to say based on feedback if you call it feedback or criticism or constructive criticism so everyone has uh, a voice yes yeah everybody does have a voice (laughs) before we kind of dive into like social media aspect and everything i i want to wondering if you could share an example of a challenging weather event that you have the forecast and how did you approach it because north dakota weather it's so quick sometimes for late night evening severe storms or a blizzard that lasts four days in April or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, what's, a, what's a challenging weather event that you have the forecast and how did you approach that? Um, I'll say there's a couple of different types of challenge, uh, challenging forecasts that I, well, there's a lot of different challenging forecasts, but two in particular that I can think of that um, really, you know, get me every time of how am I going to communicate this um, or how am I going to, uh, to sort of follow this with the viewer. One is when you have severe weather overnight and you're trying to communicate to folks who are sleeping, Mm -hmm. they're not watching you or you're trying to find, trying to find ways to get to them before they go to bed. Like, listen, this is, you know, this is a, this is going to be a big deal storm. Um, July of 2018, we had a storm move through Watford city and that is where, the infamous radar hole is a lot of folks in that area understand McKenzie County understand that radar hole area, which they have remedied with a local radar there, which is wonderful. Um, and there was a fatality there. I was working that night. Um, and I remember following that storm, looking at velocity, looking at radar signatures and just having the challenge of, um, of trying to figure out what was happening on the ground, knowing that my radar beam was so much higher than I needed it to be. Mm-hmm. Even the weather service was like, they did not know a tornado was on the ground. So a tornado um, ended up going through a, um, a 
kind of an RV park mm-hmm. and then uh, taking the life of an infant. And I'll never forget that night. So doing severe weather coverage at night in specific areas, especially where the radar beam is high, is really mm-hmm. tough um, in the moment as well. It's not just about communicating, hey, this is going to happen while you're sleeping. And that happens a lot in the summer, overnight, you know, severe storms. Um, but also communicating at the time with the available information that I have. Mm-hmm. Another um, instance that really is tough to communicate is when we have these snowstorms, sometimes you can have a one-day snowstorm, and this happened to us this year. Mm-hmm. You can have a one-day snowstorm that dumps 18 inches in one day on one area, mm-hmm. or you can have a four-day snowstorm that dumps the same amount of snow. And so people want to know, how much am I getting? And so it's easier for me to tell you when that storm is one or two days, mm-hmm. but when that storm is four, potentially four days long, like the April snowstorm, people get really mad at you when you're like, I am still, you know, I cannot tell you how much this is going to end up being because we're, we're now asking me to give you an exact after, after four days. Mm-hmm. We don't do that even in normal snow events. Like we'll give you a general range and then it turns out to be 24 inches and they go, you didn't see that. And it's like, well, here's the thing. Day, you know, this was four days out, two days in, the dynamics changed. And so trying to communicate that with the public, you know, how this works without boring them too, because mm-hmm. the science is not always fun, fun to listen to for some people. You're talking all different types of people. Some people love hearing it. Yep. Um, and, and that's where the trust comes in. You got to have trust um, and trying to earn that trust is really hard. So, so those are the challenges, the challenging ones, I would say that, you know, get tough. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head because sometimes you hear people complain that, oh, why did you interrupt my favorite show, granted? But I think it shows the aspect that this is important because, yes, it may not be affecting you now, this storm, but it's affecting someone now in a different location. And like the Watford City tornado, that that was a, an example where it's like, this is important now. There's a reason why we have to communicate to get this word out before and then also right now, I You're guess right. you would say. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and our, our viewing area is very huge, too. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize that. I mean, we go to just just west of Devil's Lake mm-hmm. um, to the, the Canadian border to a county or two in to Montana mm-hmm. to a county into South Dakota to just west of Jamestown. So we've got one of the largest DMAs. We call them DMAs for coverage yep. areas in the country. So when we have a, a tornado that's going through, let's say Harvey, for instance, and someone okay. in, you know, Dickinson is watching, they're mad because they're like, that's so far from me. But we're like, mm-hmm. well, we have to get this information out. And one day a tornado is going to come barreling for your house. I'm going to do the same for you. And that, that I love to hear that. See, that's, that's, that's the whole aspect of that is like it doesn't affect a person now, but it will could in the future. So, uh, yeah, I think you put it perfectly right there. Now, uh, kind of go back and forth here. The the can you discuss or in court? How do you incorporate creativity and visual aids into your weather casts to make them more engaging for viewers? Because you're talking about how you don't want a 30 minute presentation talking about weather, which some people enjoy me (laughs) but but I'm just curious like uh, you talked about how you use a company to make the graphics and everything Mm -hmm. like that Uh, how uh, how other things do you do it uh, to get that creativity so everything we use is customized by us 
Um, we do have a graphics package that um, that was given to us by our parent company. So we have a uniform look across the company. Okay. So we have some restraints there, but there's a, everything can be customized by us. Um, we have some graphics that we can use for explainers, we call them. Okay. Um, with that company I was telling you about, they'll make new graphics all the time. Um, but then a lot of it is us getting really creative. So there are times where I'm trying to, for instance, explain fog. And, you know, I know the company sent us, a, you know, a, a graphic on black ice. Mm-hmm. I'll take and it's in a neighborhood. And I'll take that graphic. I'll take the black ice, the, the shine they put on the road. I'll take it off. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put in you know, some type of, we call it a polygon. We draw a polygon and then put the, you know, make it semi-transparent so it looks like fog, mm-hmm. you know, and then I'll make it grow. So, so you know, and then I'm like, this is my fog, you know, and this is how it grows. And so a lot of these graphics too, we're customizing ourselves, trying okay. to be creative. Um, and then obviously too, you know, you, you can't do the exact same thing every day or it gets boring um, to the viewer. Yeah. So, and sometimes you can find, you can find yourself falling into that trap, you know, your same (laughs) template, you know, but yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty lucky to have some great state of the art graphics to work with. And that's great to hear because honestly, graphics make a lot of things pop out a little bit more and explain a little bit better because I'm a person that honestly learns by visually, not, not or hands on, but not like reading from a text or anything. A lot of us are really. Yeah. And I, maybe all broadcasters are yeah. like that too. You never know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so social media, you know, that has really exploded in the last 15 years, you would say for that. I mean, I think I was one of the first people on like Twitter and Facebook, not the first people, but you know, when it was like, it, it, it it's first thing, uh, there was no Facebook lives or anything like that. Um, how has that changed your weathercast now, or even your website? How has that changed to have information at a click of a button? So, uh, you know, it, I mean, digital is the, is the way of the future. I mean, actually I can't even say the way of the future. It's the way of now. Mm -hmm. Um, At KX, we actually have a whole digital team now. Whereas when I first started in news, that was unheard of. We might've had one person that maybe ran the website and social media. Mm -hmm. Well, we've put a lot of stock in a whole digital team. And so it also changed the way I think as well. So I know that I'm going to talk to people on on the air, but I need to find them digitally because they're not always watching us. And actually, mm-hmm. it's a, it's an opportunity to find more people who don't traditionally sit down to watch news. Um, and that's what our station has done too. We use Facebook, we use um, you know Twitter, yep. uh, Instagram. I use. I've been starting to use. Uh, TikTok a little more, but like yeah. that's just more dabbling for fun. Yep. <laughs> um, it's just for me, I use social media as how do I find you? I okay. need to I need to find you. And and that is how that is how you that is how you do broadcast now. As I need to find you. Because there's a fire hose of information coming at people all the time. And it's yes. not it's not appointment news anymore. No. So it's my job to find you. And at the same time, the information that's online cannot be accurate either. So it's trying to find a reliable source also. Exactly. So it's not only finding you, but, it, you know, trying to convince you that I'm trustworthy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's I, you're also trustworthy. That. I believe you. <laughs> there's also that hard part sometimes, too, you know. 
How so? I, now, if I'm not mistaken, did like a few years ago, did KX do a lot of TikToks every now and then, like in the morning or something like that? Actually, so that was one of our morning reporters. He was getting into TikTok okay. in the fields, and so we would do TikToks for fun. He would beg us to do it, and we would all roll our <laughs> eyes because we were so tired. Or you know, morning crew is just like always constantly tired. But we would do it, and um. And he knew what, I mean, it's, it was the wave of the future then. And, and like, he understood that. I yep. mean, I know there's controversy about TikTok, but there are people there. I mean, yes. and that's, you go where the people are, you know, yep. whether, whether you like it or not, that's where the people are. Yeah. And I think you put it perfectly right there too, because what's the biggest social media platform right now? It has to be TikTok the way everybody's over there now, but there's always the next big thing in what five years always is yeah so it's always going to be evolving yes yep how do you continue to grow and develop as a meteorologist would you say you know i'm that's still that's a good question i because i'm still trying to do that on a regular basis i am still trying to study um the i mean Honestly, the reason I'm moving on is to grow in a different way. And, you mm-hmm. know, I made the announcement today that I'm leaving KX um, and I want to study a new medi- I want to study a new type of meteorology, which, w- which would be tropical meteorology. So sometimes you have to move. Um, and for me, I also, you know, for the last, you know, 11 years, I would, you know, constantly be researching and I watch people all the time, every day that I work, I'm always popping into somebody's newscast around mm-hmm. the country to see how they're explaining things, um, to get new ideas and hone in my own skills. And I, I just don't think that you can stop doing that. Even Tom Schrader still is honing, you know, still trying to do new things for himself, you know, after being in the business for as long as he is, you'd think that he'd feel pretty like I'm good to go. Right. <laughs> no, he's always trying to like hone in his skills and, and try to do the next best thing for himself. And that's what I'm trying to do. Does your, I guess, Tom or supervisor, do they ever bring you in and go over a, a newscast or a weather cast that you've done in the past and critique yeah. you? Because I remember doing that in radio all the time. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. do. And, and it can get tough. You know, we mm-hmm. haven't done it in a while. Um, but but we, we I've done that before, you know. Yep. And uh, Tom has critiqued my work. Thomas had me critique his work, which is not easy, by the way. I'm like, I, I, I can't say anything. I'm sorry. I just, you know, um, we try to critique, critique each other. Um, yes. And especially when we have a new meteorologist, we try to sit down with them and, and critique them as well. And we always tell them we're getting critiqued all the time. Don't think that this doesn't stop. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it, it doesn't. I, uh-uh. And I, I guess even in this podcast as, aspect, it's just like, I'm going to critique myself and then, you know, putting it out in public is always the most scary part, I think, just because what are people going to think? But how else do you grow and develop without having other people watch it or listen to what you're doing for your job or career? You got to lean into the scaries, you know? Yes, yes. But I will tell you, you're doing a good job so far. (laughs) Thank you, Amber. For whatever that's worth. (laughs) This interview's about you, not me. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So your next chapter New Orleans, and I, I have to ask how this came about just because I know you already said tropical weather, something different. I mean, we have no hurricanes up here. Maybe hurricane force <laughs> winds every now and then, but no hurricanes. Yeah. How did that How did that all come about? I'm very curious. Um, well, uh, back in late October, I got an email from the chief, 
down at WVUE, which is where I'm going to be headed. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, his name is Bruce Katz. And I remember looking at my inbox going, why is Bruce Katz in my inbox? Like, <laughs> I was just, I knew who he was. Yep. Um, and he said, hey, Amber, you know, just wondering what your deal is. You know, I've been watching you. Just would love to chat with you or something nice. like that. Yeah. It was a quick little something. And I was like, what? And so, <laughs> and my contract was coming up. Um, and so I had to start making decisions for myself at the time. You always, in TV, you think in, um, two to four year increments Mm -hmm. because you sign contracts in TV. So, um, my contract was coming up and so I had to decide, am I going to stay or am I going to move on? And so getting, you know, talking to Bruce, I called him that week, um, and talked to him then had, uh, the next day I spoke with the news director and the next day spoke with their former chief. Um, who is David wow. Bernard? I don't know if you know who that is. He's still he's a, these are weather gods that I'm okay. talking about here. Um, and I and I just felt so good about it, you know. But mm-hmm. still, it's like wow, New Orleans, you know, it's man, what a dream market to be in. But like, why do they want me? And so, um, anyways, I went down there for they asked me to come down for an interview in December. Mm-hmm. I went down in early December and just fell in love with the station and the culture and everything they had to say. Um, and I could tell that they weren't BSing me. Like I've been around TV long enough to see what I need to see to, Mm -hmm. this is a well-oiled machine, you know? (laughs) Um, and of course there's things you can't see until you work there, but still I felt good about it and I felt good about the city. So came back, talked to my husband about it, you know, for a while, a couple hours I got off after I got off the plane, I got the job offer. Oh, wow. And and they said, give us, you know, we'll give you a little time, you know, think about it. And Mm -hmm. so thought about it with my husband that weekend and he looked at me and he goes, we're going, aren't we? Cause I can see it. And I was like, I really want to do this. I do. This is such an opportunity. The team was amazing. I'm, I'm every meteorologist that I met was just so um, wonderful. And they all brought something different to the table that was so unique to the team. And wow. I thought this was such a great team to work for. The chief was really supportive, just like what I have right now. Um, and so I thought if I, pass this up i will say what if for the rest Mm. of my life and so i said i just have to do it and here we are there you are wow what what market is new orleans now because each station of course or each area has a network so what what network will you be in now like ranking wise 50 so for your listeners and viewers you know there's about i think it's 210 or 212 tv markets is what we're calling it is what we call it across the country and it's based on um how many people are inside your market and your rank you're ranked the highest number is the lowest amount of people that you would reach and your number ones are going to be new york two is los angeles i think three is i think chicago yep new orleans is 50 um so it's a pretty it's up there well, when I think of New Orleans, that's a big city. Growing up in North Dakota, that's for sure a big city, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we're we're market one forty one here. Okay, yeah. so not the low, but not definitely not super the high. Yes, yeah. why? I I guess going back on you know the discussion going to New Orleans, uh, your your husband, your support from your husband, and I would have to say for my radio broadcast career. My wife has been my rock when I moved from station to station. Granted, it was in North Dakota, not New Orleans or anything like that. But having her support has been always great. And your husband just sounds great of what he's like supporting you 130% or more of going to New Orleans. How how has that been, I guess? Because is, is he from North Dakota, right? He is. Um, okay. Aaron, Aaron is from Minot. 
So, okay. and that's where I met him. So this was not something that he ever thought he would be doing. Okay. Um, and so he is, you know, I think in the beginning he was like, man, I don't know, that's really far, you know, and I kind of <laughs> let him feel his emotions and, uh-huh. you know, and, uh, and he said, you know, I, how, what a great opportunity for you and who am I to want to hold you back from that? And that made me love him even more. Love now, it. my husband is a comedian. Um, if you've ever met him, I don't know if you've met Aaron before. I don't uh, think I have actually like person to person. I okay. don't think I have. Yep. He's he's a comedian. He's the class clown, and uh, he finds comedy in everything and makes everybody laugh. Um, and so, of course, he's already found comedy and him leaving his cold weather climate and going to this hot, humid place. Um, so, and I think he'll be fine. He is excited about his new opportunities. He's going to try to, you know, he's in construction, so it's one of those okay. like he may fall back into that or find something new. And he's an artist as well, so this is a great place for him to be. So um, I'm grateful to have him. And when you're in broadcast, and as you know this, mm-hmm. when you're in broadcast, your spouse, you ask a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I've asked a lot of him. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that he's always said yes. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> that's that's great to hear that the support that you have is immense, not just from your professional career, but your your personal side too for that. So great to hear on that. And uh, yeah, I, the broadcast side, it's always a little bit different. Late nights, uh, getting up early, traveling, and it's just so much. And uh, kudos to both of you on this huge achievement i would have to say so i'm excited for both of you i think everybody's excited for you no doubt about that thank you i'm excited i'm scared i'm everything you know and but i think this is this is a good move i think and didn't you just say something about being scared or something like that not too long ago where it's a good thing to get yourself out there (laughs) it's so true it's you gotta lean into the scaries you know yes So lean into the scaries. I love that quote. I have no clue why, but I don't know. It just rolls off the tongue. Lean, yeah. lean into your scaries. Uh, so we're just going to kind of wrap it up here very shortly. But uh, the one thing I want to ask is, you know, people that are looking into broadcasting and let's say meteorology, young people or people that are looking at a career change or anything like that. What, what do you want to tell them since you kind of had that story where you did a career change and everything from one degree to another, what, what do you have to say for advice wise? Um, I'm glad you asked that because I think that when we get out of high school and we, we feel this pressure to go to college and choose what we're supposed to do for the rest of our life. And while you know, our, you know, the parents are thinking student loan debt, you know, figure out what you want to do and only get that one, you know, (laughs) that's true. But like my story is a good one. Um, I think that, you know, I followed my heart as cheesy as that sounds and it's not steered me wrong. Um, and so I, my heart was in journalism and it still is. Mm -hmm. And I've been able to use that in my weather career. You know, and so I feel like if you just sort of follow your gut and your heart, I don't think they'll lead you astray. And don't be afraid to lean into the scaries. I was nervous. I was nervous. I went back to school to be a meteorologist when I was 29, which -hmm. is still very young, by the way. But in terms of like going to school, we think you're supposed to figure that out when you're 18 or 20, what you want to do. It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you want to change your mind and go back to school. And my dad taught me that at a young age. He went back to school when he was 40. 
So I watched him do that when I was a kid and it made it easier for me. It was almost like a, well, why, why can't I, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think if we can normalize maybe changing careers or advancing your career in a different way um, or normalize being okay with changing your mind after a few years in, in your career, mm-hmm. maybe it makes it easier for folks to take that leap and figure out, okay, how am I going to do this? And, and, you know, I think the world right now and the market and everything, it is a scary leap of faith, you would say sometimes, if you're going to change your career, but you never know, it might be for the better. And I think you hit, you hit it perfectly that whatever you have a background in now, it can still be used in some way or form in your future endeavor that you're looking into. Um, I, I agree 100, 110% on that, Amber. So that that's awesome to hear on that. Great advice for everybody looking into what they're going to do, hopefully, in the future here. One last thing here, and I, I was looking at some of our pre-interview questions, and <laughs> you traveled to North Korea. I, I thought, <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what to say about that. So could you explain kind of what that's all about? So I... Um... Okay, when my, my sister was in the military, she was mm-hmm. in the Air Force, and wherever she went, I went, except for Iraq. They won't let you go there, apparently, um, or wouldn't let you to. But yeah, and that's a joke. I didn't try. Um, but uh, she was stationed all over, and when she was stationed in Korea, I was like, I'm coming to see you. <laughs> and, she, and she knew I was serious, and I spent about almost three weeks over there um, just traveling around the um, South Korea. And so mm-hmm. to get into North Korea – um, she had taken off a bunch of leave to be with me too. We hung out in Seoul for a while. Okay. And then um, this was back when the DMZ, the DMZ, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, is what can, you know, separates North and South Korea. Yep, yep. And this was during the Kim Jong-il phase, okay. um, which is the father of Kim Jong-un, who is now you know the dictator of North Korea. Yep. Um, and you have to have special permission to go and do these tours into North Korea. Now we mm-hmm. just walked over the border over the DMZ, mm-hmm. but we had to be escorted. And before we went, like two days before we went, we had to be briefed. Um, I was wearing a, a hat, like a beanie, because it was in the winter. It was in January. It was cold, mm-hmm. and the beanie had like a puma on it. You know the puma um, e- logo. The logo, yeah, okay. Just just the logo, no words. And yep. they looked at me. the The person who was briefing, he said, "You can't wear that hat because it's propaganda." And the North, the North Korean soldiers don't want their, uh, or the North North Koreans don't want their soldiers to see any propaganda. Hmm. So we couldn't wear anything with a label or logo or anything like that. Um, when we were driving in, they took us on a bus. Um, we couldn't take pictures. So this was in the early two thousands, and this was before everybody had like the really nice camera cell phones. E- yep. Okay. You couldn't take your camera. I had a camera. I wasn't allowed to take pictures. Because um, the North Korean soldiers, I was told at the time, they said they're going to have their guns trained on you. And if they see your lens, they're going to think that it is a scope and they could shoot you. So it was, and of course, I'm in my early 20s and my sister is too. And we're like, let's do it. Like, there's just this no fear. (laughs) Looking back on it, my 40 year old self is like, what are you, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And I signed my life over saying that if, you know, this at this time, this was a ceasefire with the, with the Cold War. Yeah. I signed my life over saying that if the war were to, say, get, you know, sort of kind of start up Sorry. again, yeah. they always make you sign something saying you're not going to hold anybody liable. You're responsible for yourself to get yourself out of there, yada, yada. And we're like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. <laughs> 
And so we were able to, we only strategically could go to certain places where we could take pictures. And we were the only um, Americans there at the time. They gave us a, a Chinese um, translator who, who spoke English. Okay. And so um, that was just a really fascinating experience. And I, I just was fascinated with like the difference between North and South Korea. Uh-huh was studying that a lot. And so, um, and yeah, it's something I'll never forget um, wow. for the rest of my life that I got into North Korea. One of the few Americans that have been able to, because that's not something you can just do anymore. No. Um, it, I think some Americans um, have been able to fly into Pyongyang uh, for specific reasons, which is mm-hmm. a city inside. You can yep. fly in there. Yep. You have to have specific reasons. Um, I don't think that's a thing anymore, but um, the DMZ is now closed. Okay. But the the UN UN buildings that are on that um, that are on that border, I was able to get into. And when you go, when you walk across the border, you have to walk in a single file line, and you have to stare at the person in front of you, the head of the person in front of you. You're not allowed to look around because they do not want you to look at the North Korean soldiers. It was the looking back on it, it was the wildest experience. But my sister and I were too like, I mean, we were young and we understood what we were doing, but like looking back on it. Now it's like, wow, I can't believe I did that. It was so like cool, crazy, and like, wow. Like, and, but I almost would do it again because it's, it's, it's culture, it's history, yeah. like standstill, and I'm fascinated by wow. it. I, I think that just describes the person you are perfectly just based on uh, <laughs> what you are from career-wise to personal-wise. And I could never go to North Korea, but like you said <laughs> – that was what in early two thousands, different time, different time back then. So no yeah. doubt about that. My last question is, is there anything else you would like to add? You know, the good old broadcast question that everybody asks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just want to say, I mean, this is a good place for me to say thank you to the viewers of, of North Dakota. Thank you for trusting me for so many years and being so kind to me. I will never forget my time here. This is a bittersweet um, exit for me. I have, this is amazing life. So I'm leaving a lot, which is scary. <laughs> um, but I'm so grateful for the time I've had here, all the classrooms I've been able to talk to, the ag shows I've talked to, uh, the radio hosts that I've been able to talk to on a regular basis. Um, you know, the just the stories I've been on where people tell me, you know, they're, they're storm stories and they get vulnerable with me. And, you know, just the amount of love that I've felt for the state. I've never, I never in a million years thought I'd ever do this job and people know my name. And that's just the weirdest thing for me. And I'm also like grateful for that and I'll never forget it. And I'll always cherish it. And, um, this will always be a special place for me. I just want to say thank you to anybody that's listening to this that ever watched me. And if you don't know who I am, that's okay too. Um, that's all right. (laughs) Cause I don't want to, cause there's people who don't, and that's, um, you know, you, not everybody should, you know? No, Amber, that was well said. And we're going to miss you up here in North Dakota. That's that's a no-brainer. And good luck to you and your husband and Thank to you. everybody family-wise when you go to New Orleans. Stay safe down there. I know the weather's different sometimes. Just sometimes. Little, little right? just, just a little a, Just a little different. But we appreciate you and what you've done for the state and for the region and all that. And good luck. And it's it's been fun but yeah maybe it's a see you later not a goodbye i like to say that i call it a pivot i'm just pivoting and i'll see you later and if you ever want to talk about hurricanes sometime i hope to be a hurricane expert someday so give me a call i i I will i'm gonna 
keep you on that offer then. <laughs> Once again, this was Amber Wheeler here, uh, meteorologist here in North Dakota for several years heading to New Orleans. Amber, thank you very much. Thank you.